Welcome to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders. Today, our guest is Avery Washington, real estate broker with Coldwell Banker Alliance Realty Group. We are going to be discussing maintaining self-discipline after service, being solution-oriented, and being even keeled. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right up with Signal Fire Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Signal Fire Radio. I'm your host, Rob Renz, Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, and small business owner. I'm joined by my two very best buds in the world, Evan, the muscle hamster Anderson. Matt, hear your noise? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here all day, all night. No, Matt, you're supposed to do the muscle hamster noise. You can't hear it with this music. So Who even okay. are you? Let me, let me bring it down, yeah. Have you forgotten your role here today? Okay, and that, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> is our esteemed co-host, Matt Mylot, who had nicknames, but then we took the nicknames away, and we used to do hashtags for him. Yeah. And we'll see. Maybe we'll do a throwback. Maybe for, what we'll... it, for what it's worth, I hate my nickname. So. You hate the muscle hamster? Which is natural for nicknames, I suppose. <laughs> well, let's discuss. <laughs> what else would you like to be called? I can't. You don't pick your nickname, though. That's It's that's true. You don't. But it's also, you know, it was bestowed upon me, but you also took it from Doug Martin. Yes. Who's way more muscly and hamstery than me. He might be more muscly, but I don't know if he's more hamstery. That's, I didn't know how rodent-like I was. I've Robert, been trying, you. I've actually been trying new nicknames for you, Evan. And something, one of them has to do with your mega quads. Well, I mean, it's easy when, when your nickname is the Mako. Like, you're not going to go away from that. No, right? I'm keeping cool mine. Nickname. Mine's the best. Yeah. It's like getting called Maverick. Yeah. You just. Isn't it, Evan? You're not going to argue with that one. Uh, I still hate Top Gun after all these <laughs> years. So, yes. What are you going to do when the Top Gun sequel comes out shortly? Are you going to come see it with me and Matt? Because I know Mylot and I are going to play hooky from work, and we're going to catch a matinee, and we're going to watch Top Gun too. Yeah, can we go to Mayfair so I can just boo incessantly? <laughs> Mayfair's gonna, closed. Is it? Yeah. The theater still? Yes. Okay, well, we have to find a place where I can go and boo. It'll reopen, and then you can boo. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be just, there's going to be a bunch of late 30s to mid 40s, that's okay. And Tom Evan, Cruise is in his late 50s, so. He's got to be coming up on 60. Yeah, I think so. That's crazy, man, but he's been doing it for a real long time. Yeah, I mean, it's, he takes good care of himself. Yeah. It's all like, that Scientology. Like, like, like Matt, new face routine. I know. Who even are you over there? His skin is looking so soft and supple. <laughs> Gleaming. Uh, before, we, before we get into the heart and soul of our episode with our guest, Avery, can you please, Evan, as a uh, newly found social media influencer because you started posting some great content. People are engaging. Gross. They love it yeah. and they love you. Please share with everybody your skincare routine that has Matt looking four or five years younger in just a short amount of time. You know, I, I like to do what the dermatologists, not the influencers recommend, and they, they like to keep it simple. So, you know, Cetaphil, morning and night in the shower and uh, morning moisturizer with, with SPF. By a CeraVe, Cerave. super super easy, and then at night uh, a heavier moisturizer, a coconut oil one from uh, what's that Shea Shea, Shea Moisture, Moisture, yeah. And then once a week do a mud mask that uh, your adorable daughter gets to put on for you. Isn't that the best when you get to do a, a mud mask with your girls? I know, and it. you're taking selfies with them, and yeah, yeah, it's it a bonding experience for sure. 
So let me ask you this question before we before we introduce Avery, because the topic of our discussion today, and I've seen it happen, and I know it's happened to me personally, not for long stretches of time, but there tends to be after military service that long pause, that big deep breath that a lot of people take. And I recommend that. Mm-hmm. We we have advocated for that the entire time we've been on on the air. But I have seen that extend to a point with some people where it's gone too long and they start to lose the self-discipline um, and and maybe they get a little soft, maybe they get a little uh, complacent, things along those lines. Um, Evan, as somebody who is entering into transition uh, and getting out and being a civilian, how are you preparing for, one, taking a deep breath, but two, not losing what makes you special right now, which is that you get stuff done and you do it quickly and you have the discipline to maintain it. Yeah. I, you know, as I've had a lot of conversations with people in, in the business world and in sales in particular, the most, the most uh, effective and efficient people are that way because of the discipline within the routines, because of a, a disciplined and a structured daily process. So as I go through my transition, I'm trying to keep that. You know, I don't, I don't have... Um, like a real day job anymore with the army because they've, they've kind of let me do my thing in preparation for my internship, but I'm already sorting sort of structuring how I'm going to lay out my days as I might start my sales role within the internship. And I think that's, that's the key is not, even if you're, you're dialing back what you're doing or you're changing your focus or changing your job, just keeping that, that disciplined daily process. That's, that's one of the things that I'm, planning on doing as far as taking a break i mean i have two months of terminal leave to kind of just screw around so are you gonna go climb mountains uh you know i grew up in the mountains so probably not what are you gonna do i don't know i haven't i haven't figured it out please yet. take a vacation i'm gonna take a vacation for sure are you gonna I, bring monbon yeah of course yeah, yeah okay. you know and and she recently decided that she's donezo too so um you know the transition journey is is beginning for her as well so that's that's one of the things that i'm i'm trying to have her take seriously as well is one the the transition journey but two um you know that self-discovery and and taking some time for herself big news dude you just dropped breaking news breaking news yeah she said is uh is dropping papers dude she said i'm not doing it anymore so she's uh she's had it and and she's gonna start Taking her talents elsewhere, moving on to something, something <laughs> Taking new. Taking her talents to South Beach. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Matthew, how about you, dude, real quick so we can get to Avery. How did you maintain, or were there moments that you lost discipline, your self-discipline? And uh, if so, how'd you get it back? Um, I think yes to both of those questions. Because I think I've, I've lost it and regained different aspects of it. Um, but I think it's kind of just been like an evolution for me. Um, as I've always said, like it's very humbling to hear, like when I listen to Evan and he tells his story and what he's planning on doing and he's talking about the liberties that the Army has given him right now considering he's, he's still active duty. And all those elements go in today um, and it, through my eyes from the outside, contribute so much value um, and I reflect on my, my experience and it was just so cut and dry, basic, simple. And it was, I, I appreciate all the thought and processing that individuals are going through now 
um, to prepare for that transition. So in a roundabout way, that's my answer. Well said, buddy. Thanks. All right, let's stop treating our guests like he's not in the room. Avery, hello, my friend. Hello, how are you? Good, man. Thanks All right. for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. Two uh, notes for the listeners. Uh, number one, <clears throat> hands down, unanimous vote. Yep. Avery's the best dressed guest we have ever had. We're talking cufflinks. Yeah. And <laughs> pocket square. Yeah. We're talking actual shoes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Garrett Harrell uh, flip flops. Yeah. Yeah. ring worth yeah. around fifty. Yeah. yeah, he's he's rocking the Oxfords with just enough brogue, just enough just brogue, enough brogue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sharp as a tack. And and Avery, uh, I've asked you this, but um, your beard is fantastic. Thank you. And it's always glistening, and you use a certain product in that. Since we're talking about products, and and I'm bearded, Rob, right now. Yeah. I, I haven't shaved in like a month. You month and good. a half, so Avery's influencing me. How do I get my beard game as strong as yours? You know what? I owe you the the answer on the exact name of the product, but it's some it's some type of oil. I want to say it's like Moroccan oil. Mm. The, the <laughs> bottle is brown with green. It has a green cap. It's not very big, and it smells great. I mean, I've had like dudes tell me I smell good. Why are they? Why are they close enough to smell your beard? I don't know, but <laughs> it's, it looks that good. It does. I it's, didn't. I didn't feel bad about it. I just said thank you. What about my day? It's yeah. like it's like light to the flies because it's so glittery. Like yeah. men are just like, oh my, yeah. I have to smell that man's beard. Yeah, you yeah. want to talk skincare? Look at Avery. If, I know. He looks if like you're, he's uh, nineteen. If you're not into cologne, then this will make up for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I love it. So, um, <clears throat> do you? Let me ask you this because when I was traveling a lot and I had to wear a suit. Uh, to work every single day, I would be up the night before and I would plan my outfits. Do you do that or do you just walk into the closet and say, oh, it's blue coat day? Closet. T totally. I'm yeah. very simple. Yeah. Good question. I really just wish I had more. So it would just take longer to do the same thing, except with a week worth of dry cleaning at a time to, to swap out. But uh, just red shirt, blue jacket, white shirt, blue jacket. Black shirt, black jacket, black shirt, gray jacket. Always solids. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty much it. Well, he throws the pop in with the shoes in the pocket square, you know? Yeah. And There's I just have three of those. Three pocket squares? Mm -hmm. Dude. Black, white, burgundy. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, <clears throat> you guys have heard of decision fatigue, right? Yeah, for so sure. So Steve Jobs always wore the turtleneck. Yep. And Mark Zuckerberg, like all these other famous guys, it's probably... Their brand strategists are creating this for them. Elizabeth Holmes, my favorite. Don't forget about her. Yeah. Okay. What is, is what is uh twenty twenty one the year the year of the the nude sweater? What'd she call it? I can't remember. Nude sweater? Yeah. I have no point of reference on any of this. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to Google it while we're on the break. Yeah. But um, but all these people wear the exact same thing. If you go into my closet, there's like five thousand different things, and I spend it's true. 20 minutes in the morning just deciding what shorts and t shirt I'm gonna put on. And what floral print <laughs> shoes, dude, you are so jelly on these shoes. <laughs> I don't I'm, like, I don't like them. You don't like them? No. Well, I was wondering why you didn't say anything. You look like a, which ones are they? They're the nobles. Hang on, I'm, I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out and show you. Real They're quick. nobles. And he just looks like he uh, does CrossFit and tells everyone about it. I'm going to talk about him while he's not on mic. So he yeah, can't yeah, defend yeah, himself. Those are pretty sick looking shoes. They're not quit. Okay. I think they're fantastic. I'm angling to get this show sponsored by Noble because... I mean, I'll take some free stuff. Yeah, why not? 
If anybody who listens to this is a uh, brand strategist or marketing specialist for No Bull, get at me because I love the shoes. Evan hates the shoes. Matt loves the shoes. So give me and Matt and or me and Matt free stuff, but exclude Evan from the free stuff sponsorship. Are those like expensive shoes? No, no. I mean, like how? I mean, how much are we talking? I don't know. I, I took a screenshot and I sent them to Jenna and I said, "Would you please buy these they're, for me?" They're a hundo. I think, yeah, they're right? probably a hundo. Okay. Maybe. That's fairly Which expensive. Is expensive, right? Because mine yeah. are mine are fifty five. So well, well, and Rob's are three to a thousand dollars. Mister Mister Robbie Redbottoms. That over hurts. Here. That hurts. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I like that Robbie Redbottoms. <laughs> Because he is, uh, if he was a woman, he would have a collection. He would. Of oh yeah, all Louboutins. He'd have the spiky the Louboutins. Yeah. You know, when I first met, when we first met Liz Hartman, guest of the show, she came down and did the the Suiting Warrior suit up at my office uh, on October tenth, twenty twenty, and I had never met her before. I'd maybe known her on LinkedIn for just a couple of weeks, but she showed up in just like a, a black pencil dress and black Louboutins with red bottoms, and I was like, oh! I yelled at her as she was walking down the hallway. I was like, I see you, Liz, with your red bottoms. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we digress. So many, so many different things to unpack about all that. But so Avery, um, for people who don't know you yet in about two minutes, just kind of give our audience an intro to you, like starting with your time in service and then leading us up to now. Absolutely. Before I start though, I just want to weigh in with an official vote that Robbie Redbottoms is an excellent <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So noted. Death, death to Mako. You cannot. No. You cannot take away the Mako. When I'm being Robbie Redbottom, you may call me that. Oh, when you're when you're just fancy. Yeah. yeah. Dude, it was so funny. We we were at lunch yesterday with uh, our boy Carl Carl Wallen, and uh, the the server came and greeted us. What do you guys want to drink? And we all had a a lunch beer, and. She's like, would you like some water with that? And she says, tap water good? I was like, yeah, it's fine. And Rob instantly goes, eh, eh. It's, it's too metallic. <laughs> we ended up getting this beautiful blue glass bottle of water. She Speaking of go- beautiful blue things, let's let Avery yeah, finish, please. Matt. Matt, be quiet. <laughs> let him tell a story. All right. So beginning to now. So originally from Connecticut, um, it's where I was born and raised. Family still lives there, or my immediate family still lives there. Went to Norfolk State University for a little bit. I dropped out. I was in the Marine Corps. 30 days later, spent the first three years as a, a data guy. I was terrible at it. Then I went over to Marsoc 2011 from selection through checking into my first battalion in 2011, and then I stayed there till June 2019. Rewinding back a little bit during that time frame between 11 and 19, I got married, divorced, started investing, deployed a few times, learned a couple languages, transitioned out June of 19 and jumped headfirst into real estate. Oh, hum. Yeah, no oh, big hum. deal. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward to now. <laughs> well, we're going to take a real quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk exactly, we got a lot of things that we're going to discuss with Avery, um, most of which is how does he maintain just this totally even-keeled uh, persona about him? And he's, like, in my network, one of the most successful dudes <clears throat> I know and have come into contact with, and he just keeps going, but he's always super chill about it. So I think there's a lot of value to gain from that. So we're going to take a real quick break. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back on Signal Fire Radio. 
Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, ladies and gentlemen. I intentionally played this song just so we could watch Matt and Evan Bicker over Who Loves Stephanie. It's me. AKA Lady Gaga. What's her last name? I don't know. Matt, what's her last name? Germanata. Okay, well, Matt loves her more. That's, I don't. It's been settled. Her last name is Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Avery, what, what is your opinion on Lady Gaga? Fan or not a fan? You know what? I wouldn't call myself a fan, but she is very talented. She's extremely talented. Very talented. I loved that meme from when she did the Super Bowl, when she did that like swan dive. Did you guys see that? She like dove off the stage. She crushed that performance. Who was the best too. Super Bowl performance of all time before we keep going? Prince Rogers Nelson. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Prince was fantastic. Actually, Bruno Mars ripped too. Yeah, he did good. Yeah. Avery, what do you think? I don't follow sports. Well, that's not sports. That's music. Yeah, I don't either. I just, I just YouTube it later. I haven't even known who was in the Super Bowl until like the day of for the last at least three years. Go my favorite team. I just know Tom Brady won. Yeah, Tom Brady always wins. If uh, I will put this out there, Uh, Super Bowl was in San Diego, California. Matt, you're familiar with the place. Yep. And the performer's name was one Michael Jackson, and that had to be the greatest Super Bowl performance of all time, in one man's humble opinion. What year was that? Uh, I don't know. It was mid nineties. Yeah, that was when it, it was. It was at the height of MJ. So, oh, the height of MJ has been for like that was like thirty years. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was the height of creepy MJ. Oh yeah. Okay. Nose falling off. Oh, no. Not yet. Let's not go there, Matt. Respect the man's name. He's a, he's a king. I have zero king respect of pop. for Michael Jackson. I am <laughs> okay. sorry. All right. That guy should have gone to prison. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a cop. All right. You know who we have ultimate respect for? Avery Washington. Avery our Washington. guest, our guest, Avery Washington. <laughs> Thank and you. Before, before I, I, uh, we talked to Avery about how he's just managed to maintain this even keel persona. There was a fantastic. We had so Tuesday night of this week, our friends uh, Scott and Claire Wilkinson got married. First time I've ever been to a wedding on a Tuesday, and it started at three o'clock in the afternoon. And it was hot. Turns out, and this is a shout out to Scott and Claire because they just got married, but it turns out that they their first date was on May 4th and they wanted to get married on May 4th and they bought their house on May 4th and they're also huge Star Wars nerds. So they wanted to do the whole May the 4th be with you thing. And, and I thought that, you know, all the they mixed in a lot of Star Wars stuff, but it was classily done. There wasn't like too much Star Wars, um, but we got the chance to, to sit with Avery and his girlfriend, Albany, was at our table. And uh, I almost choked on a piece of kefka uh, because... Oh, it was a Turkish-themed wedding? Yes. Oh, oh the food gosh. was incredible, man. Oh, I, ate three, awesome. I ate three plates of food. It was... It was I gorged myself. What uh, was... Shout out to the restaurant. What was uh, it? Marrakesh from up in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I mean, a restaurant named Marrakesh can't I've, go wrong. I've been there, actually, when I was on TDY. Oh, it's fantastic. Man. Yeah, it's, super I mean, it's good. Really, really good food. But... Um, <laughs> but I look down and I'm I'm eating a I'm eating a piece of meat and Albany says, you know, she's telling a story about Avery. <clears throat> and you know how women will sometimes just want you to listen and uh they'll tell you their problems and then they want you just to you know acknowledge that yeah, that that was really hard. But what Albany said that Avery says every single time and she nailed the cadence and the tone and the pitch of his voice perfectly was Every time she says, hey, I've got a problem with this, his response is, 
well, what are we going to do to change that? And the entire table broke up in laughter. Avery, can you just give us that little sounder so we can save it for later? The laughter or? No, 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 not the, the laughter, the, the line, your one line that you say to your girlfriend regularly. Absolutely. So naturally, so she's also a real estate broker. Mm -hmm. So if anyone understands some of the frustrations of a little bit of tire kicking throughout the day, it's me. But sometimes I'll hear her relay a story that she has the ability to change the outcome of. <laughs> All right. So she'll tell me the story. I'll listen and I'll say, well, what are you going to do to change this? And then I think in most relationships, that's not the best statement to start with. <laughs> but I think I manage well enough. We're learning each other. It's good. <laughs> Matt, uh, if you said that to Sarah, would she still uh, post five-star reviews on this show and call herself Matt Matt's hot wife? Of course she would. She would? She would. Absolutely. 100%? She's like an oak You're for, for signal fire. Why? I stand corrected. You're Go an oak. <laughs> what about you, Evan? You shouldn't have to ask me that question. Yeah. But um, I did. Yeah. Well, you know, Monica's pretty spicy. Uh, so I, th I think it's it's more, she she's definitely in the mindset that, that uh, when, sometimes when she tells me things, it's just so I can listen. Yeah. And typically she's really great at thinking her way through things, but she just needs to vocalize and she figures it out herself yeah if evan said that she'd break a couple of his ribs in like a split second probably she was a boxer she did follow up with that she did say well i just wanted you to like i just wanted to vent yeah but i told her it was too late Cats and that we needed bag. to figure out how to get past it mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah there's this video that they had us watch in, in thf um and there's this there's this guy talking to his lady and they're they're sitting on the couch and She's like, you never listen to me. It's always something, something, and and the camera turns, and she's got this oh, the like, nail. sixteen penny nail Great, sticking out of her head. Video, it's like, video it's not about the nail, yeah. So look up. It's not about the nail, and yeah. that's exactly what this is about. It's, I mentioned the exact same thing at the wedding because it was exactly that. She's like, all oh, my sweaters have snags yeah. in them. He's like, well, maybe well, it's maybe the, if you just maybe took if the you nail just, out of your head. It's not about the nail. Yeah, <laughs> we'll share that. We'll share that on our social media pages. So Avery, we'll put that in the you, show notes. Yeah. Have you always been like that? Like. Or have you had to discipline yourself to, if you're presented with a problem, to ask yourself the question, all right, what am I going to do to fix this? I've been like, I've definitely been like this since, since high school, grade school. I think over time, as I've gotten older, what, what I've transitioned more from is being shy or timid to being reserved. But I've always been like this, more or less. How did you, how did you make that change? It's just deliberate. It's tired of not getting what I wanted. I'm very comfortable listening and observing more than I speak. So I think when I was younger, you know, naturally being shy and, and not necessarily being the popular person, not that I was ostracized or anything weird, like I don't have some traumatic story, but you just recognize the people who have, I don't know, the, the social skills that you admire, the friend group, that you wish you had or the, th the outcomes that you wish you had. I think I just recognized a, a pattern and it took some application and repetition over time. But uh, I think the first thing that I noticed is that everybody gets a turn until it's your turn. 
You ever feel like you wait to do something and then you like watch everyone else go and then you thought you were supposed to and then it's like, oh, oh it's all over. <laughs> right. So I, I kind of learned from that when I was younger that if there's something I want, then I have to obsessively pursue it and I'll just figure out how to be nice about what I think is cutting in line. But normally no one cares. Uh, that was probably the first it's probably the first thing. Is there is there a particular story that you remember from your childhood when you're like, hey, everybody's getting something that I feel like I should have. And that was the the moment. There's you know, what's where there's probably two specific things I can think of that influence my personality the most. But I what I the previous statement contributed to it. These are two that I can directly correlate. So my dad and I, you know, naturally, I, I think the difference between young men and young women is as young women get older, they start to try challenging their parents intellectually more often because they've lived a certain amount of time and not died. So they think they have it figured out. And then young men, as they get a little older, you know, especially if they have a, a father in the house, they start to challenge their parents more physically, right? You've got a little meat on you. I knocked somebody on their back last week and on the, like during football practice, like what's up, right? <laughs> so me, my father and I used to butt heads all the time all the time. And for whatever reason, and my parents were kind of strict. So I mean, we would get in arguments about how I vacuumed, whether I wore house shoes. It, it was always these weird arguments, like you'll step on a nail and it go on your foot and like super weird, right? <laughs> that, that rabbit hole. And I just remember one day thinking like, there's no trophy. Like when there's no winner in this argument, it, one, it's dumb. And two, nobody wins. So I think I'm just going to chill out. <laughs> it's just, it sounds ridiculous, but it was really that simple. Can and we, then, can we like figure out a way to bottle that? Yeah, like no, we need we'll to make Avery that. a zillionaire. Yeah, That's I, a level of maturity. Yeah. I will never achieve. In my life. <laughs> just, just decided. I think I'm going to chill out. Like there's no reward for this. So we would of course still get into it about these things all the time, but I would catch myself and just kind of listen and, and be like, okay. And they would just turn into this one-sided thing. Like, he's really upset about house shoes or the <laughs> pattern I vacuumed in. Okay. Uh, or I ate too much crackers or cookies or something. I had the, I was only allowed to eat like two to four cookies even until I left the house. Like, kind of strict. I need calories. So at, yeah. 18, so at 18 years old, <laughs> your dad is monitoring your cookie intake. It's really weird. <laughs> It, it's I couldn't even explain it. You just have to be there. But yeah. it was like, who, who ate all the crackers, right? <laughs> this is like a thing that you would hear in my household, specifically from my dad. I don't recall my mom ever being concerned about my cracker intake. I don't know. I don't know why I'm picturing that scene from Friday when um, Craig's dad is like, Craig, how come every time I'm in the kitchen? You were in the kitchen. You were in the kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just counting, counting all the food intake of everybody in the family. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that's it. brilliant. <laughs> Avery, let me ask you this, because you got out of the Marines as a gunny, um, mm -hmm. and you spent time most of your career with MARSOC, mm -hmm. um, and that is a place where, um, in the military in general, like it's contentious, and mm -hmm. people argue, and we fight, sometimes ourselves, uh, and then other times... Um, an enemy. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> how did you maintain that that posture that you learned at a young age and then find use that to find the success that you did 
in the military. That's actually a perfect segue because the second specific event I can recall is actually from uh, ITC when I was going to MARSOC. So, I mean, you're, you're used to being, if you're going over there, you're probably used to being the best of wherever you are. But then when you're in an environment where everyone is used to being the best from mm -hmm. wherever they were, and some people were the best and they just spent the, every other year deploying and they're like a sniper or sniper or a reconnaissance Marine. It's really easy to humble yourself depending if you're mature enough. And two, while I was in Norfolk state, before I dropped out, I boxed for two years and I was terrible at it. <laughs> terrible. So it was very clear to me that I should learn how to communicate verbally and in writing before I start re resorting to violence all over the place because it was not my strong suit. Again, these mature decisions. This is unreal. Who are you, Avery? I, I just, it became very clear that I need to literally be like, I was defending myself. That was the only choice. Anything else, I'm setting myself up for failure potentially. Like five, eight and a half. just doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't. Wasn't on the wrestling team. Like, not really set up for success right now. <laughs> so just made sense to figure out how to do a little conflict resolution. So that was part of it. And then going in this environment, right, you're, you're surrounded by, you know, some dudes literally just like physical specimen. Mm -hmm. And there was two parts to it. One, I recognized my strengths were different than a lot of theirs and vice versa. So it, it's not just about, it's not just about trying to dominate an environment or, or uh, conveying superiority all over the place. The, the benefit of being in a team is leveraging collective experiences and strengths. And I felt like mine was staying focused on certain outcomes and determining how to implement the control, so to speak, in, in order to realize them. And other people's was, you know, getting either taking a long shot or rucking twice their body weight for an absurd amount of distance or whatever other thing it may be, or just shooting, you know, the, the head off a nail, whatever it is. And I just figured this is what I'm best at. I need to leverage this. So I'm contributing as much as possible mm. that other people can't replicate. So I just double down on what I did best. How did that, because uh, so how did that makeup complement the teams that you were on? Because everybody I've ever met from Marsoc is nothing like that. You know, it's, it's, it's weird because uh, it worked really well, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, when I first came over, so my first MOS school, the first, excuse me, my first duty station was at an MOS school. So imagine like you go through MOS school, you learn something for the first time, you take a test, and now you know what you're doing. And then you go somewhere where you don't do it for three years straight mm -hmm. and you're a sergeant and you're, you're looking at lat moving or going back to be in charge of people way more junior than you that have three years experience. That's right. So I essentially the timing was perfect with me considering going over to Marsoc because I needed to change, wasn't well suited for it. So I was ready to move on to, to what was next. How's it going? Robert, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that the movie recording was, was stopped. No, the camera. Oh my Good gosh. Lord. We're going to have to edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. Is that all I had to do? 
That's what I was trying to ask you. You didn't have to come over here and ruin the flow. <laughs> yeah, you sorry, ruined, Avery. You, you ruined my no flow. You ruined Avery's flow. We're oh, not no, I'm ready. Any of Amateur hour. I love this story. I can recount it. It's yeah, exactly. You need me to. We we bill it as we're like the most professional amateur podcast and radio show ever. We sound nice. And though. Evan is just pointing to the ceiling. No, the sound is on point. point pointing. <laughs> use use your words, Evan. Use I pointed at the camera. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, we're, we're very adept at social media. And so sometimes we take video of our guests and we post that on social media. Avery's dropping just ridiculous clips that, I, that I want to share. I can't, I can't really? wait to share with yeah, the world. I know. I know. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, we're going to take a moment to regroup and think about what we've done here. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take yes. a very quick break. That was uh, so good. We're going to take a big sip of our Micheladas, and we're going to come back, and we're going to continue to have this conversation with Avery, uh, learning about being solution-oriented, how to maintain that even-keeled temperament. Uh, and really, dude, I think we need to find out more about how he got mature so quick because we're yeah. we're three men children. I'd still be mad about. It. I'm still angry at your cookie limit. Yeah, I'm maybe still that, angry. Maybe that's what that's, it had to do with. That's, that's real. That's my mom, <laughs> before we before we go into the break, because we have we have like 30 more seconds. My mom would never get a free moment from me. If you don't know this about me now, I'm kind of a high maintenance person. Yeah, kind of a mama's boy too. Kind of a mama's boy, totally. Um, and I and I, I thirst for interaction with people. Well, when she needed to like uh, vacuum the floor, and we did not have a distinct vacuum pattern in our house, Avery, that had to be maintained. I don't think we did either. <laughs> you have to go back and check the One family history books rules, on that. Yeah. I think he just had a by the like seat of his pants preference. <laughs> I don't know. And no one else knows where the rule book is. No. Well, my mom would my mom would drop me in one of those little playpen things and give me an entire box of Honey Nut Cheerios. Mm. And she knew that I would eat the entire box of Honey Nut Cheerios. So she had a good 30 minutes to get something done. Yeah. That's intense. Why that's am I how, not, that's, knowing your mom, why am I not surprised? That, that, is, that, is, that awesome. is Robbie Wren's yeah. just, 100%. Robert, leave me alone. Eat the Cheerios. <laughs> I love her. I, lo- I do All too. the while with a nice little silver spoon. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't have the silver spoon yet. We were, we were, you know, we were on uh, captain and nurse's salary. We hadn't made it to the colonel yet. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We are going to take a break now. We're going to regroup. We're going to recollect our thoughts. We're going to come back with our guest, Avery Washington. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We will be right back on Signal Fire Radio. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even, uh, even in this song, CeeLo yeah. Green is still a gangster. No. He can never take his gangster away. You could never, no. He's no goody mob CeeLo anymore, but this is still gangster. This hit. Gnarls Barkley, this slapped pretty well. I mean, it, it was, uh, it, it made people remember who CeeLo was. Yeah, brought him back for a good hot minute for in, sure. the, in the hot, two, hot 2010s. Yeah. Was, well, it, know, was it that late? I thought yeah. it was earlier than that. No, 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 it, it was. Well, I brought it. I brought us back with this song for a reason because um, if you haven't gotten it, to know Avery already in the few minutes that we've talked to him, if he sets his mind to doing something, he's going to do it. So Avery recently participated, and I'm going to let him tell us why. But Avery recently went on a two-week water fast. The only thing he had was water for two weeks. Avery, will you please tell? the people at home, the whole backstory Absolutely. So to So to preface it, I think that throughout this interview, people will realize that I kind of think in spirals. 
if that makes any sense by the time it's all said and done. So I'd seen some videos, some interviews on YouTube, on the internet, where, you know, folks ranging from just amateurs to people who even run treatment centers to treat certain ailments and sicknesses with water fasting spoke about it, you know, in depth, the process, what they have their patients go through, what they experience. And it, and it piqued my interest because I'm all about natural medicine. I try not to ingest things designed to alter the natural chemical balance of my body. Granted, I mean, really we're trying to regulate it through the things we consume on a daily basis, right? So that was one, it had my interest. Two, wasn't very pleased with my body composition. <laughs> Right, as much as we talk about discipline, staying physically active is something I have not done as consistently as I'd like to since the necessity of it has left me with getting out of the military. And third and most important was uh, my office randomly held a Biggest Loser contest, and I thought, yeah, I can do that. I want a couple hundred dollars and get what I wanted, which is lose a little bit, bit of weight. So, you know, I lost track of time. I walked into the office and they said, hey, Avery, are you weighing in? And I just thought, it starts today. So I weighed in, I was 200 pounds. And I thought, well, it looks like I'm starting water fasting immediately. I stopped eating. I bought some distilled water at the grocery store. The next morning I walked in and forgot I was water fasting because I typically just forget to eat dinner anyway. And I ate a fun size Twix and that reset the water fast to that morning, <laughs> which is why the first day I ate was the day of Scott and Claire's wedding. So to run through the, the experience. So literally just drank water. I wasn't as well researched as a medical professional would probably want one to be, but I reasonably understood that once you get around 30 days, you should be getting observed by a medical professional. So I was aiming for three weeks and then I also recalled the wedding and I decided that I was not going to be the weirdo not eating the whole time. So we're going to cut this to two weeks because I at least wanted to hit the, the ketosis state that I hear everybody talk about. So initially, of course, hungry all the time. First three to four days, I was very deliberate about not trying to drink a specific amount of water. I didn't want to flush my system because I was already experimenting in the first place. So I just drank water when I was hungry, you know, paid attention to the color of things that left me throughout the day and let that be that. After about day four, it got a little weird. Smelling food was as satisfying as eating it. One, and my sense of smell uh, became more sensitive. So it's funny, my girlfriend came to visit me and there would be days I'd go prolonged periods without smelling food. So it literally got to the point where I would go get her something to eat. And, I mean, I would enjoy just smelling it. It sounds really weird. <laughs> so maybe this will become a new, like, filter for some people, right? Whatever you're into. But it is something I observed uh, where I would get irritable because I didn't smell food all day. About... Seven to nine days in is where I started to feel what I now understand is the keto flu. So I started to get aches. First, it was really specific. My shoulder started aching. It was a shoulder that's never hurt me before. So I just thought, that's weird. Maybe I slept wrong. Then my neck started kind of radiating, like when you're sick. So then 
it became clear, oh, this is the, the keto flu everyone talks about. After that passed, I felt lighter, almost nimble. It's very strange. It, it's something you'd have to feel. But I felt more nimble, more light on my feet. A lot of videos describe a burst of energy. I wouldn't go that far. But I did feel energetic, reasonably energetic, not lethargic. I wasn't just hungry all the time. Then from about day 10 to day 14, I think I was just ready to be done because I set my own finish line. So I started smelling the barn a little bit, but otherwise felt just fine. It felt great. Just kept drinking water throughout the day, making sure I was staying fairly well hydrated. And also during this two-week time frame, I did not physically exert myself at all other than walking, driving, and typing, and talking. That was it. Matt, under once, what circumstances would it take for you to go two weeks and just drink water? I mean, it would be difficult. But See I, your school? I yeah. could do that. I know you could do it, but I mean, right now. I thought it would be easier because of Seer. Really? I thought it would be because in Seer, after about a day or two, you're not hungry. But you don't have the option of getting anything to eat. Mm. So it was way different. Um, but it wasn't as torturous as I expected. Yeah, in Seer School, you can't bring, you know, a, a plate of eggs and bacon to your girlfriend just to smell it. You he, cannot. He <laughs> Avery and I were out looking at some houses. Um, I don't know. We, what were you, like a week to 10 days into it at this point? It was about 10 days. Yeah, okay. About 10 days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I didn't know about it because I hadn't seen him from the time that he started. And, um, you know, we're carrying on. We're having a good time. We're looking at houses. And uh, he tells us that, yeah, I'm, I'm on. We were like, hey, should we go grab a bite to eat? And uh, Avery's like, no. I mean, I'll come. I'll hang out. Uh, to use his words, I'm not going to be the weird guy who isn't going to eat. But in this particular circumstance, he was the weird guy who wasn't going <laughs> to eat. But he tells this story about how he would just, you know, he, was good, he, he, he provided himself the opportunity to be a better boyfriend because he would just randomly go pick up food for Albany and bring it home to her so that way he could smell it. <laughs> what was the best smell? You said you, your sense of smell increased and got better. What was the best food that you smelled during all of that? I got her tacos from Vita Tacos mm. in Jacksonville. Mm. It's very good. Mm. That is a good, I like that spot. It's a uh, uh, veteran, a Marine vet who owns that spot. Is it? It is, yeah. Dude, it get is. him to the VBC. Yeah, it is. super nice guy. Yeah, I need to roll through there again. Roll and, through there. And actually eat this time too. That's why they got, there's like, there's like sot and, and recon patches mm -hmm. like all over the wall because it's a, it's a Marine vet who owns the spot. Mm -hmm. Nice guy. We're finding day in and day out more and more veteran-owned businesses in this community and I love it. Yeah. Avery, so obviously you are, you know, that's what we've been talking about, that how even keeled you are mm -hmm. this entire time. And we talked. You talked a little bit about like the first three or four days were the hardest. Did you notice any any change in your irritability levels or your moods or or did you have to kind of fight through any stage of that fast due to hunger? No, I think Albany would disagree. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but it's it's hard for me. I think no because I recognize the other things that that contribute to me being frustrated sometimes. So absent those factors, I think the answer, there would be no, no, no difference to recognize. Mm. So I say no. 
what are the things that, that you recognize that frustrate you? And given the way that you handle challenges and obstacles, like, you know, what is that process, that linear process that you walk yourself through to get over that? Totally. So I personally, I personally invest in real estate fairly often. So as a real estate broker, you know, dealing with someone buying or selling the home that they've lived in and they do so every, you know, maybe handful of years or maybe they're doing it for the second time of their life. There are a number of decisions that people have to make that for me personally are fairly simple or a low risk. And I've made them like from a continent away about something I'll, I can't even personally check on. But I also understand other people are not that comfortable with such an expensive tr transaction or large transaction relative to what they do in their daily life. So internally sometimes, I think I recognize how simple something that I'm assisting someone with doing is. And it can be frustrating. And these are frustrations I keep like to myself how complex people can make something, especially when they don't recognize the opportunity cost of indecisiveness or failing to act, right? And, and I, it's something I deal with more often as an investor. And I've had a few clients where I've had the ability to see it just assisting, typically buyers, to be honest with you, just the opportunity cost of not making a decision about something that honestly was a home run. So I honestly, if I've ever told a client, if I had more money, I would have just bought this and not told you about it. <laughs> that means that you should just do it immediately. How do you, uh, <laughs> how do you detach from those outcomes then? Like, how do you not take it personally? Because that's harder to say. I think that's just who I am. Mm. I think I've just always understood the distinction between this is my decision to make. This directly impacts me. And this is something that they'll be obligated to. And I'm not willing to convince them to do this. And then something goes wrong. Uh, because at the end of the day, a part of my confidence is my confidence and the ability to make sure things go the way that I'm speculating they will, right? Or correct it if they go off course. And they're not of the same experience or, or background. So just making sure I, I maintain that understanding like goes a long way and helps me woosaw myself internally and just be like, all right, well, you know, it's not my house, not my decision. Yeah. Just keeping yeah. it completely logical, staying, yeah. staying pragmatic throughout that process. And there are other agents that I have to tell that too. It's literally like, not my house, it's not my decision. Please send me whatever you want. Not, not my chair, not my problem. Yeah. That's yeah. what I say. <laughs> Avery, you brought up uh, something that I think is very interesting. You started investing in real estate while you were still in the Marines, correct? Mm -hmm. What rank were you when you did that? You recall? Yes. I was a sergeant, actually. Yeah. I was a sergeant. But um, at that point in time, I had been in. So I, I closed on my first house. My first mortgage payment was October 13. So I remember I was in dive school. So maybe we closed in September, September 13. And I came in, 
That's terrible. I don't remember what year it was. <laughs> oh, 07. June 07 is when I came in. So it had been a little bit. So, you know, I remember, and we all have those horror stories of guys going out with their first paychecks as a Lance Corporal and a Corporal, whatever, PFC, mm-hmm. you know, buying a car at a 16.5% interest rate because the sharks in Jacksonville are just that. They're sharks. Oh, yeah. Now, you decided uh, consciously, I'm sure, to use your not, I wouldn't say wealth because none of us get wealthy in the military, but use your uh, disposable income to start planning for your future at a much younger age. You know, for somebody who's listening to this that is a corporal, sergeant, staff sergeant, whatever, and they're wanting some passive income, what would your recommendation be? Like, how are you using your money that you make in the military to start doing real estate investing? So... It's, it's kind of a little bit of a, a few things. I, I had some parents that get smarter the older I get. So a, a seed my mom planted due to her and my father's frugality. You know, when I was younger, naturally, I'd earn some money and spend it on something that you can't even remember, you know, as an adult. And my mom, she would always say, you know, Avery, I don't think that was a wise purchase. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh my goodness, right? And, and now it just, it would get to the point where I would go look at things with the money I earned and no bills. And I would look at it and be like, Avery, I don't think that's a wise purchase. <laughs> and then I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me. So she, she planted a seed early that got a little louder as I got older. That was one part of it. Two... I, she worked in insurance at the time when I was a kid before health insurance was just everywhere. Like the insurance industry wasn't as blown up as it is now, but Hartford, Connecticut wasn't considered like the health insurance capital of the world to some people. So she worked at Cigna and Aetna and Travelers and all these places. And uh, I've always kind of sat in on her talking to financial advisors and listening to her talk about money. And they weren't doing well off by any means. We're middle class, but it was something that I always observed. So when I got a little older, when I was in the military, I started using the same financial planner she was using. And then I ended up rolling that stuff over to my TSP. That was a little bit around the time that 08, that was around the time 08 happened. And then I started meeting people in the military that lost money in their TSP. So I was like, well, that's the end of that. And then I rolled it out of there. And I started something with USA. It was super easy to invest with them at the time. And now they've offloaded all their investment products. So I just started setting money aside in these different mutual funds and this and that every month. Just first things, like it was a bill, so I didn't see it. And I just did it with the idea that either... I'll just have this sitting there one day when I retire or when I decide to buy my first house. Fast forward, I I met a young lady and we got along well enough. I had been in the barracks. Shoot, I mean, the whole time I was in, at this point I was a sergeant. I mean, had it made, being a sergeant Marsock in the barracks, like you've got your own room. I was literally an eye shot of where I worked. I mean, I didn't, I could walk everywhere I needed to be in a 24 hour period for everything. Gym, the battalion had its own gym, everything. So I spent no money other than groceries and gas. Um, 
But I met this young lady and I thought, you know, I can't, I can't be taking this girl back to the barracks. I've got to get my own place. Right. And then, so there's this house I see that I want, you know, I'm a sergeant, I'm making some extra money. I'm getting all these special pays. I call the bank and I tell them I want a home loan. And then I learn about the importance of credit. They just keep denying me Mm -hmm. left and right. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding? I'm balling out of control. Like a cell phone bill. It's like, like you should be thanking me. <laughs> right? And then for the first time in my adult life, at this point, it, man, 2013. So probably like 26, 27. So the first time I ever I checked my credit report, and apparently there was some things in collections. <laughs> seemed important. So I came to learn that, you know, due to having the same name as my father, there was some confusion as to who owed who what to some people that I never spoke to before. Mm. <laughs> and when I was in school, so my, my parents assisted me with doing my student loans. So it was a bit of an out of sight, out of mind thing for me, but it was not for the lender. So what ended up happening was, you know, some of those loans were getting paid in six-month increments all at once and then not getting paid for six months. So I had some massive delinquencies. So I had to work through that. And that led to me uh, learning more about financial literacy. I love it. Yeah, it was was really about being intentional, being deliberate and and doing those things for yourself. That was probably the first wandering into the abyss roadblock I had. I think we can, I think we can fairly say that anything that Avery does, he's going to be intentional. About super, it. Yeah. super intentional. Avery, we got about uh, a minute left okay. uh, real quick. Um, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how should they go about finding you? The best way to do it, shooting me a text at 910-787-0877. Or you can look me up on Instagram, hashtag precise property solutions. Awesome. And if you're listening to this, uh, on the podcast, we'll put that in the show notes so that way you know exactly how to get in touch with Avery. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Signal Fire Radio, please do us a solid, leave us a review, give us a five-star rating. It's not because we like to hear ourselves talk and we're big vanity metric people. Uh, the information, except for me, as Matt points to me, the information <laughs> that we give here, we do this because we hope it will help somebody else that's come behind us. Don't buy a Camaro at 18% APR. Dude, Pruitt Pruitt bought a Dodge Dart at 16.75%. I grew up like Avery with parents that taught me what buyer's remorse was, and I was with him (laughs) in my blue Timberlands, and I was like, dude, do not do this. (laughs) I said, dude, do not do this, and he did it. So anyways, I hope he's doing well. I really do. But anyways, we all make bad financial and fashion choices when we're young best part of it is uh, don't continue it. So that's going to do it for us on this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Until next week, go out, feed your mind, strengthen your body, nurture your spirit, and grow your tribe. We love you. We thank you. From Evan Muscle Hamster Anderson, my good bud, Matt Mylot. I'm your host, Rob Renz. We'll talk to you next time.